Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 109 with Katie Mazia on Completing a Trout Woman. Great. Well, I start every episode getting a background on my guests, and I realize that uh, over the years that I've talked to you, I don't actually really know how you got into fly fishing or running. So uh, tell me how you got into the outdoors and into fly fishing and into trail running. Well, we could start with trail running because that came first. Although I was a runner when I was about 13 and then I ran cross country in high school and I was in Columbus, Ohio. So I never ran a trail. And then when I graduated college, when I was 23, I moved out to Colorado and that's, then it was like the opposite. Then I just ran trails all the time. And then I was running marathons, like road marathons back in Columbus. And so when I came out here, I was interested in trail running and ultras and kind of got into that. And so always loved running, always loved the outdoors, hiking, um, you know, ski club, just anything outdoors all day long. And so Colorado was awesome for that when we moved out here with some friends. And then I always spin fish growing up and I didn't get into fly fishing until my son got into it. So I learned from him. He was 13. He, I gave him a like an Orvis kit, like for Christmas, he was in the outdoors and he literally self-taught himself and then got so obsessed and into it that he got into it competitively and then he was young. So I had to go with him <laughs> and then I ended up loving it too. Well, that's good. I mean, at least you like both fell in love with the same activity. Yeah. <laughs> Took me a while to, I don't tie my own flies because I just steal them from him. 
And I, it took me a while to be self-sufficient. I would say it took me like a year to really feel like, oh, I'm going to go by myself or I can tie, you know, tie this fly on my line. And yeah, it took a while. So how did he get into it? Like if, if you didn't do it, did you just get him this like on a whim? Like, oh, let's just get him this fly rod and see what happens. Yes. Yes. Because he had a lot of outdoor stuff. I mean, he was born and raised in Colorado and we live a block away from Brush Creek. So it seemed just like a fun thing for him to do. And he really, he really got into it. Yeah. And so how long ago was that? That was like 10, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, I would say. 10 years ago. So you and I have been fly fishing about the same amount of time. I think I'm on year 11 or, yeah, 11 or 12 now. So we must have started around the same time. Well, I didn't even start, I think. Oh, that was just him. Okay. That was just him. I would just like drive him to go and bring the dog and hang out. I don't think I even caught like my first fly fish. I mean, my first fish (laughs) on a fly rod until, I don't know, maybe a couple of years later. But I would say it's been a good year, a good eight years because Vale Valley Anglers has a women's group up here and it's just called Women on the Fly. So one of the guides, Eric, would organize women and we would go out, just felt real comfortable um, teaching us. And I remember my first fish I caught was like, you know, like six inches and um, it was, it was really fun. So I kind of wanted to learn on my own a little bit in addition to going with Jack. So tell me how you go from being a uh, a runner to an ultra runner. Like, I don't know what is entailed in like the training for that. Um, cause I, I don't, I also don't really know how far like a cross country runner would run in high school. Um, but I have to imagine it's not as long as what you're running these days. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I think I'm old now. I'm like an old trail runner. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was, when I was running cross country, honestly, I hated hills. And, you know, we wouldn't run any more than three miles. And then when I was a senior, my our coach got all of our cross-country team to run a marathon, to run the Columbus Marathon. Like we all ran together. We trained when we were young. And then I got kind of hooked on that distance. And then when I moved out to Colorado, so anything longer than a, a marathon is considered an ultra distance. So they were just everywhere here. I mean, you know, a lot of different races, um, really fun people, all different walks of life. And then I just, if you can run a marathon, you can run a 50K, you know, you could run 30 miles. It's not that much longer. So I just, you know, you hike a lot too. You're not running the whole time. And so I, I think the training for it is just being on your feet unless you, you know, and having fun and going out there and just being outdoors for hours at a time. So you have to like that. What is the longest race you've run? 50. So that's the longest race I've run is 50. 50K or 50 miles? Oh, 50 miles. 50 miles. So that's the longest. And I've never fished during a 50 miler. Um, You know, that was all pre-fishing. Never thought of it until I got involved, you know, with the flyathlons. Um, And now it's so great because you can, you can use train, you can train and fish and you don't have to be so serious about it. It's really just being outside outdoors all day and enjoying what you do. So I've paced a lot of people at night in the middle of the night, like, you know, people who run hundred mile races, I've paced them I'm like a resident pacer, but I really had no desire to run a hundred. I didn't think I would do well running a hundred miles. 
So you think that's out for you? Like you're not going to attempt that at any point? I don't. Maybe like 60 when I'm 60. Like 100K. Yeah, well, do uh do like work your way up the the flyathlon ladder. The you know, the Troutman, the Ultrout, and all the way up to the, I think the Finsanity is the new one at 100 miles. Uh, the Finsanity, I think, is the 60. No, that's the Lucifish. Oh, Lucifish. The 66.6 okay. miler. 66, right? Yeah. 0.6? Yeah. Okay, maybe that's my next goal. Okay. So that one <laughs> seems like within your, your sights. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so tell me about... Um, your recent Troutman. I don't know. I know you've attempted multiple recently. I don't know if how many you finished. I know you finished at least one. So tell me um, what your recent Troutman experiences have been. Yeah, my percentage of finishing is kind of low. It's like 30, <laughs> 33%. So I've done. And then when I talked to Brian, of course, he's like, oh, I did seven of them before I finished my first. <laughs> but he's always training, right? For like a hundred miler. So I... I had done two before I completed Trout Woman. So I attempted one. There was women in the Women Ooch Forest, and it was in October, and none of us got Trout Man or Trout Woman for 38 miles. We what caught. was the problem? Was it the, the Brookie? The, the Brookie, the, okay. because it was, it was up high, and it was frozen over, and we were like out there in the middle of nowhere. And it was really cold, and it was really long, and... None of us got it. And it was, you know, it was October. So it was a little late, you know, great, great, nice day, beautiful day. So that was the first one. And like, that's one of the coolest runs I've ever done in the backcountry, part of the continental or divide trail. And you pass that and you're in the middle of nowhere with people. I don't like to be alone in the backcountry. I like to be with people. <laughs> so then the second one I attempted was um, down in Westcliff. And that was last year. And it was the only weekend in September that was a torrential downpour, like the worst <laughs> weather ever, uh, get up to 12 K and it's, people are freezing. We're trying to t catch cutties and caught a cutty. And you know, that's the first goal. And then Christine and Craig and Andrew had done it before and they're like, oh, it's so easy. We got it. They did it in July. And that was a failed attempt because I couldn't catch a brookie. It was raining. I kind of gave up. Even though I, I think I'm mentally strong, I just, I was kind of over it. And so, and I didn't think I had enough food, even though I know better. And so that one was a failed attempt. And then, um, then in June, that's when I completed the Trout Woman. This this June of this year. June of this year. Okay. Yeah. So there was a couple years where we didn't do anything because of COVID too. Okay. So I want to hear about the Trout Man itself, and then I also want to kind of pick your brain about like how you went about planning for it. Um, so first, just tell me how it went. Uh, you know, the fishing, the running, everything about it, and then we'll go into the planning because that that I feel like is part of the difficulty. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, if if you enjoy hiking all day in the woods and you've hiked 15 to 18 miles, I, anybody could do that and complete the 26 miles. Really, I think just having that confidence of that time on your feet that you don't have to do 26 miles or 30 miles to complete 26. It really is just being like other people who know that, like I know that and being like a good cheerleader for other people. But we... Again, woke up on a Saturday, June 17th. It was Father's Day weekend and just raining and we were in Eagle. So we were going to Sylvan Lake 
that was our destination was Trout Man, Trout Woman at Sylvan Lake because they stocked it with cutties and there's rainbows and brookies in there. Oh, that's a like a lucky find. A lucky find. And then and then because I live 15 minutes from here, I know where the brown trout are. So I had like pre-flagged some places where the brown trout were to help people in their success. If they were, you know, could just it makes it easier, right? The intel, I think, makes it a lot easier. So we we were a little late getting up to Sylvan Lake because it was raining and we're like, ah, no rush. And we start at like 7.15, and then it just starts dumping rain and we dispersed around Sylvan Lake. It's about a mile and a half around Sylvan Lake and it's beautiful up there. It was like really fun to have people up here and see this part of Colorado because I'm usually driving to, you know, other places. So we all kind of dispersed and people are catching kit fish right away, you know, mostly rainbows. And I was like, I'm going to go off the dock, you know, and people were going around where I was like, go to the left. There's fish over there. And there was six of us, I think, or seven that started. And then it was crazy, like 45 minutes, not even 45 minutes later. I couldn't believe it, but I, I had a leech on and I was just like kind of threw it out and was just slowly jigging it back. And then I had a cutty on. And and I mean, I was like, is this really a cutty? There's no way I just caught a cutty because that was going to be the hardest fish to catch because they did stock them. But who knows if you were going to catch one, right? Yeah, you can't guarantee anything really. I mean, there's a bunch of fish swimming around in, the, in that lake. So I was like, what? And then I'm like, is this a cut bow? I took a picture of it and I didn't tell anybody. Like I just, I was like, oh my God. I got a cutty. Now I have to run. Now I have to go for it, you know? And, and. So did you not expect to catch one or did you just no. think it would take so long that you'd have to yeah, give up? Yeah, didn't, didn't expect to catch one because I had been up there like over the past month. I had been up there in May. We caught a bunch. Jack and I did for Mother's Day. We always go up to Sylvan Lake and fish. But then I had been up there frequently and hadn't caught any cutties in between for a whole month. So we just thought like, ah, we'll try it. We'll go have fun. But you're right. The cutty was going to be the hardest fish we thought to catch. And so then there was another guy fishing, um, Kevin. Did, did you ever meet Kevin yet? Name sounds familiar. He lives in Uray. Oh, actually, I don't think he's come to any flyathlons yet. I think he's just done Trout Man. Maybe but, I've seen his name on the website or something because I yeah, feel like, yeah, you, like I don't know any other Kevins really, but. The, yeah, you may have like familiar. seen his name because he's on there. So he drove up from Uray and he's like on the other side of the lake and comes up and he's like, I got a I got a rainbow, a brookie, and a cutty. All on the same fly in the same area, three different casts. Like in 10 minutes. And we we're like, what? I mean, so then he started his journey up running like a lot earlier than I did. I I after I caught my cutthroat, I went over to Andrew and I, I verified. I was like, is this really a cutty? Like, I mean, I knew it was, but I just couldn't believe it. So then he's like, yes. And then I caught a rainbow and then it started. So you go around the lake one and a half times. That was like our plan the whole time. And then you, then we, then the route was like going up this 414 road that you were going to get about 1500 elevation gain and about five miles. So, so not too I bad. Told, not too bad. Like, you know, longer distance with that gain. And then, so I was like, all right, I'm going to start going up, guys. Like, it was like, you know, 
two hours later and I was like, I'm going to start heading up. And I expected people to follow me, you know, like even if those guys didn't catch a fish, they still could have caught a cutty later on, right? Oh, done in the a whole, different lake. They could have done the whole run, come back at five o'clock or whatever, because you have 12 hours and fished just oh, to I see if they, yeah. they caught their cutty, right? So they could have said, okay, I got to get on my run. But it started dumping, rain, sleeting. And I mean, you know, because you fish, I had the Sims Guide 3 jacket on, like a heavy, super waterproof jacket, not like a breathable, lightweight jacket and shorts. And I hardly ever wear shorts <laughs> when I'm doing like, I'll wear like capris or wool capris and and I know this area really well because I've run back there a lot. So even though I, I said I, don't, I like doing things with people, I knew this route. And I was like, all right, I got to just dig deep. I know where I'm going. And um, it was like, I described it as like a super spooky run because it was just sleeting and raining and dark. And even Kevin, who was ahead of me, like by several hours, was say we were doing the same thing like oh hey bear hey bear like the whole way up to McKinsey's Gulch and so that took a while to get up there and I didn't know if anybody was behind me or not I just thought oh those guys are behind me and then I get up to McKinsey's the top of McKinsey's Gulch and then you come down about three miles to the dirt road and water was just like running down the trail but I felt okay because I know where I am. There's no cell service or anything, but I know where I am. And I know they know where I'm at. So I was about 13 miles in at the bottom of the trail, I think, maybe a little bit more. And then Andrew and Cole were in the car waiting for me at the bottom of the trail to make sure Kevin and I got down okay. So they didn't even attempt no. going up? Okay. It was just Kevin and I who attempted. So then when I saw them, they're like, well, you're not going to say hi? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I thought you guys were behind me. I had no backup. I did that the whole, you know, and they're like, are you all right? And I was like, yep, I got to go. I got to go get my brown trout. So then, you know, about two miles down the road, caught my brown about, I don't know, I got tangled up. It took me like a total, of, I think, at least 30 minutes to like re-rig and I lost the first brown, and I know where this area is. It's a tiny little creek. It's West Brush Creek, tiny. And um, and then I see Kevin run by, and Kevin's like, oh, you got your brown? I was like, no, I'm getting it right now. And he's like, I got everything. And he was like headed back up to Sylvan, you know, like to finish in like, I don't know, six and a half hours. Like he was way ahead of me. And then Andrew and Cole were like, okay, you all right? And I was like, I'm good. I'm like, here, I'm so hot. Take my jacket. It was sunny out. Andrew's like, no, no, you're going to need your jacket. <laughs> the clouds are coming. So then no more than like a half hour later, it starts dumping rain. I got my brown trout. So I had my brown, I had my rainbow and my cutty. So I just needed a brookie. So torrential down bar up the road, back up to Sylvan, because I have to catch a brookie. And that's where I'm going to catch a brookie in the late. And what There's time is it at this point? How much time late. do you have to get this brookie? I mean... From when I caught my brown trout, I still had a while. Like, I mean, I can't remember, like, the exact time, but it must have been, like, 1 o'clock or 
Or I mean, like, how, how long into the race? Like, did you have 10 minutes to catch this trout or did you have, like, hours to catch the trout? I had hours. Okay. But I still had to run pretty far. How much? So, okay, so how, how far so into it? So I still point? had to run, like, 10 miles more. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I still had to run 10 to 12 miles longer and catch a brookie. So I wasn't, like, stressed because I got my brown, but, you know, I was kind of like, all right, I'll catch a brookie. But, you know, like, Cole had caught a bunch of brookies, like, right away, like, at 9 in the morning. But Andrew hadn't caught any and Randy hadn't caught any. Like, so I was like, oh, my gosh, brookies are really usually easy to catch at Sylvan Lake. So I was kind of like, all right. So I start running up the road um, for a little while, like two miles before I cut in to go on Brush Creek Lake, or I guess you call it like Brush Creek Trail, Sylvan Lake. There's like a trail in the woods. It's beautiful. So, but you ran the road a little bit to get to that, to cut into that trail. Torrential downpour, like six cars asked me and they're like, do you need a ride? Do you need a ride? I'm like, no, I'm doing a race. Like I got this. And I kind of feel like we should have bibs on so people know. Yeah. <laughs> like we should have trout man, trout woman bibs or something. But um, so then I cut into the single track and that's to get the elevation gain because I still had to get at that point, I still had to get like another, mm, I was probably, at, oh, I don't know, 1,500. I was about 15. No, I had to be more because I did 1,500 on the way up down i was probably at 1700 vertical you need 3000 total and you have to do 3000 total so i took the trail because it's steeper but it's harder like knowing now what i know i probably just would have taken the road because okay you know it would have been easier (laughs) but then i get out of the trail and i see you know it had stopped raining and it was really nice it was like 4 30 no not 4 30 it was probably four o'clock at that point so I still hadn't caught I had to catch the brookie and I had to run another I had to run another seven miles and you've got what like three hours three hours hours left okay I had three hours so I was like okay and then I had to get the vertical too so I go I'm kind of stressed I was like shit I changed um I changed reels so I had I just, I only know how to Euro nymph. I don't have a straight, like, uh, floating line. I don't know how to fish like that. Really? Because, no. Is this what you've been doing this whole time? Whole time. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. The whole time. I only know how to Euro nymph. Okay. And, yeah. I only have a Euro leader. Um, I usually have a 10 foot three weight, but I had my Euro leader on, I had my reel and my Euro leader on an eight foot four weight. It was the trout classic, you know? You know, the I Reddington yeah, trout, trout classic. classic. I don't fish nice stuff. I don't I, either. <laughs> I know. I have like all hand me downs. So, but I like it. So I was fishing the Reddington trout classic. I think it's like almost an eight foot four weight. And I had my Euro line on there. So, but I had a reel with a floating line and a sink tip that Jack had set up for me. And I was kind of like enjoying lake fishing with that. So I tied a leech on and, you know, because you can get that way out there because a floating line with a sink tip, it's much different, obviously, than the Euroleader. So I throw that out there, 
and I didn't catch anything by the dock. And Christine was there fishing and she's like, oh, I just caught a bunch of brookies. You'll get one. (laughs) Nothing, nothing, nothing. Just (laughs) dipping it in, you know, nothing. And it had gotten really nice. The weather had like really perked up and it was beautiful. So then I go halfway around the lake to where this beaver dam, not dam, it's just like a mound of sticks and caught another brook. Oh no, I caught another rainbow. I caught another cutty of all things. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh. So I don't know. I just threw it out. I just, I had a leech on with a, like an orange bead and I was just, I wasn't even doing anything fancy. I was just kind of jigging it. I was just jigging it and, you know, and then, oh, caught a big brookie, like a nice brookie. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. So, and Kevin was there with me and somebody else was there. And so then I was like, oh, I got it. I got him. Did you have a panic moment when when you saw that it was a brook trout that you were going to like lose it? I feel like sometimes I, when I have a fish that I've been trying to catch on, it's like the whole moment is tense until it's in your net. As soon as you see what it is. I know. Don't you feel that way when you're doing the fly on? You're like, ah. yes. I'm like, don't let it get off. Don't let it get away. I know. And then I become like, I mean, I don't know what. I just like everything goes out the window when. Yeah. You know, know about. you're like, I know how to do this. But it's I think I was like holding my breath and I was like, all right, all right. Remember like what Jack tells you, like, get it on the reel. Just get it on the reel. Don't let the rod tip go down. And, you know, I was just praying because I use 6X. All, that's what I use is 6X. But I had 4X on because I was using that, you know, a floating line with the leader. So I, di- I just think that was lucky that I got the brookie, but they're, they're there. And I got it in the net. And then I was like, phew. So I still had, at that point, I, so I ran around the lake and then I still had like, Six miles and eight hundred vertical to go. With how much time left? And I, I at that point, like I still had, because I finished in nine hours. Okay, and fifty minutes. So, but you like, I feel like that's a nice place to be because you know you have your fish to all you have to do. Like if you look at the time, and you know you've got you finished with over two hours left. It's easy to think, okay, I can I can run like six miles in two hours. Like that's that's not a problem. Like, I, I assume there must be, like, a stress relief when you realize all you have to do is just, like, finish. I think if you get your fish in 10 minutes, who cares if you have to run 26 miles? Put your headphones on, some good yeah, music. Yeah, like, it's just a matter of doing it. Chill out, get some snacks, walk, pace yourself. Yeah, I think that's the, the best case scenario, for sure. I mean, because I wasn't worried after that. It was a relief. You know, I kind of, like, was celebrating inside, and I couldn't believe... Like, you knew you were going to do it at that point, uh, barring, yeah. like, a, a broken leg or something. Like, you know you're going to do it. Yeah, exactly. You know <laughs> Wait, you're going to well, do it. Have, have you had your beer yet? My beer now? No, no, no. Like, during the during the <laughs> trout man, <laughs> I see that you have your like, beer I'm drinking, now. <laughs> I'm drinking my beer right now. <laughs> yeah, just checking um, in. Just making sure you still have that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because you ha- you drink the beer as part of your time. I know, but I just wasn't sure if you were, like, trying to – Give yourself something to look forward to throughout and like, you know, sipping on one as you went. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was actually not looking forward to whatever 12% beer somebody had for me because they, everyone's like, oh, I have extras, I have extras. And um, and so, yeah. So then when I finished, I mean, it was like, 
It was bittersweet for sure. And then the beer that I drank was so disgusting that it took me 25 minutes to drink I love that that was like a part of your time. You know, like 25 minutes of time was spent on that beer. But I guess if you know you have that much time, like why why rush it? Yeah, everyone's there. Like it's sunny. We're just chilling. I'm eating chips and drinking this. Disgust- I think it was like 13.5% and it was horrid. Like it was... It it was awful. And you said they provided it. They, someone else had it for you. Yeah, like it, like people just had extras of twelve percent beers. Did they tell 13. you how hard it was to find one? It's really easy where I live. Okay, because the last person I talked to said that like the hardest part of it was um, finding a beer that qualified. But I've never gone on the hunt for a twelve percent beer, so I have no idea like how much you have to shop around to find one. I think if you go to, like, we have a really good, like, beer and liquor store called Boone's. It's awesome. And so they have an entire shelf of, like, different beers. And I I had probably, like, eight different ones I could choose. Oh, okay. That's nice. You know, but I I got that for – I think I got that after. Oh, I got that after the fact when Karen and I did it. I – for my Trout Woman – People just had extras. So I think it does depend where you go because I couldn't go to many places maybe and find one. I okay. agree with you. Good to know. And maybe ones that taste good. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a, a point at which you don't really taste good anymore, at least, for, at least for my taste in beer. And I think 12% is probably around that number. I know. And I, I mean, if I had to drink that beer, like if it was like 11.58, like it, like I only had two minutes. I could get it done. Like, I went to Ohio State. I could do it. Like, I could do it. But I was just chilling and it took me like 25 minutes and it was really, it was really fun. Like, everyone was so great and supportive and it was, I feel like that one, it was like all the stars were aligned. I was like 15 minutes from my house and it wasn't because everybody else got it too. You know, it was hard. Just two of us caught but Andrew did catch a cutty later on that day at like three o'clock. But he hadn't done his run. Nope. And he hadn't caught a brookie. He caught rainbows and a cutty. Cole caught brookies and rainbows, you know, so it was kind of like between, Kevin and I were the ones that caught the cutties that day. So then, yeah, then I finished and it was awesome. And I was just happy to have like one under my belt and be like, all right, I did it. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It was, uh, I, I talked to... Um, Patrick, who was at the flyathlon, he was selling the Coulter backcountry gear. Um, I talked to oh, him yeah. about his his like Troutman attempt. He didn't finish it, but he came really close. And we were talking about how 
it's hard because when when the species all live in one place, that's great because you're like, oh, I can catch multiple species here. But because you can't control what eats your fly, it's sometimes like more frustrating because if you just keep catching the wrong thing over and over again, it's almost preferable to just go to a place that has nothing but brookies. So you know that whatever you catch is going to qualify and then you can just move to the next spot. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Um, and this this is, I feel like a lake with three species is pretty rare. Like I, I feel like two trout species is a lot in a lake, um, let alone three. So that's kind of a, you know, you might get all three in three casts and you might be fishing for like five hours before you get what you need. I know. And we, I think because it was early season and everyone was just jonesing to go do something fun because the rivers were so blown out. We're like, you know what? We'll just fish and see what happens and spend the night at your house, you know, your town home. And, but I, I agree with you. I'd rather go, okay, Brookie's only here. Cutthroat's only here. Like that. That feels better to me. Yeah, and you've got 26 whole miles. So it, like, it's not out of the question that you could pass by either four different lakes or like a, you know three lakes in a stream or something to get four distinct spots that all have different species. Like it's not, you're not trying to fit it into a really small distance. Right, yeah, I agree. Because, you know, like, you know, if you have those creeks, there's going to be brookies, you know, like little brookies. And so, you know... It would feel better knowing that you don't have to catch. Because even in Westcliff, um, you know, you could just catch browns and then the rainbow's hard to get. So then I think you have to think about flies. Like which would eat which. Yeah. I feel like rainbows would probably be the hardest for me, to be honest. Like I catch fewer rainbows than any other species, I think by far. Like they really? just don't live a lot of places I fish, I think. I think when you hit yeah. some of the bigger rivers, you get more of them. But um, small backcountry streams, like it's pretty tough to find a rainbow they're it not up would, there they're not up there so rare like even brush creek behind our house 99 percent browns and i went out last friday and i was like i caught a rainbow where did this rainbow come from <laughs> like it was wild so yeah because it would be good to have like a stocked like knowing you could go to like a stock lake, yeah. like small lake, and know you can get your rainbow. It's and all then rainbows, yeah. Go run the wild streams and go up to a lake and catch cutty. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like your best bet for a rainbow is either like a big major river, which probably aren't like that plentiful in the areas that you know, troutman races are being run, um, or some random like take and uh, put and take rainbow trout lake where the only thing in it is rainbow trout and there's a bunch of people there like taking them home for dinner like that's yes. that's i feel like what you've got to look for for the most part you you do i mean it, you know i've always thought about how could we do it i mean that's why sylvan lake is great because you you're guaranteed pretty much pretty much a rainbow there um because they stock it all summer long with rainbows um but the eagle river you know like there are rivers that you that are Plenty full in rainbows and browns, I think. Now, Where the, I am. The rules don't specify that it has to be those four species, right? Like, if you caught a cutthroat, a brook trout, a brown trout, and a lake trout or something like that, like, that counts, right? It just has to be a salmonid species? Yeah. Like, if you... Well, wait. Say that again? Like, um, if you, it's not that you have to catch those four specific species. You just yes. have to catch four species so would a cut bow count as its own species like if you caught a cutthroat and then caught a cut bow is a cut bow considered different than a cutthroat i i think that a cut bow is frowned upon although if you knew yeah because i asked andrew that 
there's something about it that it could maybe count. But what, because you caught like three and a half species at that point? Like there's a lot. Like- I think it's frowned upon. <laughs> but there's cupos in at Sylvan Lake too. Because I feel yeah. like I used to fish the frying pan and I would catch at least what I thought were rainbows. Maybe they were. But since then, I've been back and every single rainbow looking fish I caught had a slash. Yes. And so a now cup-o. I'm like, was it always cut bows or did something change and now it's cut bows? But it's like they look like rainbows unless you flip them upside down. Then you see that little hint. And so it's like, I don't know. I want to call those rainbows, but they're not quite. There's definitely something in there. Yeah, they're definitely like a mixed species for sure. But yeah, it was um, it was good. And I didn't, you know, to be honest, I really didn't train for a marathon distance in June. Like well, my longest, <laughs> my longest run. And I had worked up to that because like in the winter, I really wasn't running. I had like a little injury over the winter. And my longest run I had done was 10 miles, like before I did the marathon. So, you know, they say it's 50% mental. And I still wholeheartedly believe that as long as you're hydrating and you're fueling yourself, you know, I think anybody that can do 10 or 12 can do 26. I really do. Even if you've never done it before. Were you like stiff as a board the next day or did you feel all right? I was pretty sore. Okay. Yeah. I was definitely because I went from like winter and then like running maybe like 10 to 15 miles a week and then an eight miler, a 10 miler. I was, I was really sore. I took like almost a full two weeks. I was sore. Yeah, I felt I took it full two weeks off. Okay. I mean, yeah. And so I don't really have any training like for that one up into that. But I do think carrying like food, like two to 300 calories an hour and drinking like 16 ounces minimum an hour is important. I mean, it was pretty cold. So I bet I wasn't doing quite 16 ounces an hour at that point. But when it's hot, you can blow through. You know, having those, uh, the Caden water filter. Do you have that? I don't. Nope. Oh, my god. I have gosh. a pen and then a handful of other filters. Okay. This one, you know, those soft Solomon, like they're water, bo- they're, they're like a water bottle, but they're a soft water bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, so Caden, I think it's just K-A-T-Y-D-A-N or something. They make a water filter that's a soft pack. You can buy it in a 16 ounce or a. 32, like a liter, and it's small, roll it up. And that has been a game changer for me because, you know, you're around water the whole time and you just fill it up and you can start drinking from it right away or fill your other containers with it instead of carrying all that weight, which is what I used to do, was just carry all of my water. So I think that you'll feel better when you're, you have all those calories because you're just going to lose, you're going to get dehydrated and lose energy. You're going to use that mental toughness. So on, on that topic, like what, what do you usually bring when you're going out for a, like a fishing trail run? Let's say you're running two fish when you get there, not necessarily trout man, but just when you're going out to run and fish, what are you bringing with you? Um, that's lightweight, but you know, helps you out while you're out there. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to go do like, let's say you're like, Oh, I'm going to go fish a high alpine lake, like, you know, six to 12 miles. It's, um, I mean, you can be out there a while, right? Like two to four hours, let's say. At least, it, like plus the any extra time you spend fishing. 
Yeah, exactly. So again, I think the water filter is key. So having water bottles with you, you know, and then having that water filter. And then I bring, like I said, I kind of think of it as like two to 300 calories an hour. So if it's just casual and I'm not doing like a trout, a trout man, trout woman, because what like I might race, not race with, but you know, that's going to be a little different because we're just chilling if we're going to High Alpine Lake. But I would bring dried fruit. I love dried fruit. It's easy, packable, um, a bar, like some kind of like bar, like Nutrition RX or a Cliff Bar. And then I always have Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> that's my secret. Um, I always have Rice Krispie treats. They're easy. And then maybe some chews, like, They don't have to be special chews. Like honey stinger chews are great. It's whatever you like that you're going to eat. So, you know, Trader Trader Joe's down in where you are, right? So those swimmers, those fishy swimmers, like those chewy candies. Are they like Swedish fish? Yes. Are they lobster shaped? Yes. Uh, I think you gave me these. I think you... You pulled a red lobster out of your pocket at the fly athlon and told me to eat it. And I was like, I don't know where that pocket's been. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Oh, yeah. It wasn't my pocket. It wasn't in a baggie. It was like in my pocket. Um, It was just loose in your pocket. You're like, no. Yeah, I did give it to you. I'm like, I swear it's just in my pocket. Um, So, yes, I'm familiar, but only because of you. Yeah. So you don't want to go too heavy in like fat and protein because your body's using carbohydrate when you're exercising. That's the primary source of fuel is carbohydrate. And so you want to bring things that are high in carbohydrate and maybe a little bit of fat and protein. So, you know, I might bring like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, or like those little Nutella um, rolls, like they're like crepe rolls with Nutella in them. Um, but like if we're going to eat lunch, I might bring some nuts and, you know, those like beef jerky and, you know, but if I'm just doing like the 26 miler, like I'm doing the fly, you know, like the trout man, trout woman, I'm mostly bringing, you know, like those Swedish Trader Joe's fish, chews, rice, crispy treats, a bar, uh, Bobo's peanut butter and jelly. Have you ever seen those? Uh, no, but uh, what describe what they are they're like an oat it looks like a not like a pancake but <laughs> it's like a flat oatmeal bar with peanut butter and jelly in it. okay okay yeah so really you have to just primarily focus on bringing carbohydrates to fuel your, your brain and your body and whatever works for you and your gut and whatever you like and when you get back are you then like taking in protein to replenish like once you're back from your run I, I mean, if I do something really long like that, I mean, like a trout man, trout woman, I, I must say, like, I'm not that great. Like, like I'm drinking a 12% beer and eating chips. That's probably not the best thing. <laughs> but when I, but normally I would like come back and make like a fruit smoothie with like Greek yogurt or a protein powder, like within 30 minutes. I okay. So just, yeah, I'm just talking about like a normal day you're out and You've been eating carbs the whole time, but you're like back yeah. from a run. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I I'm not talking like, about the race. I feel like you no. like all bets are off when you get when you finish a race or something like that. Yes. But I, I or I just like eat a meal right away. You yeah, know just I mean? something. Just to eat a meal. Yeah. And what else are you bringing? Like, if you go for a like a fish run, um, not just like fuel wise, but like what are you bringing? What? How do you um keep a like a lightweight backcountry set up for fishing? And what other things are you bringing along too? Well, I think people like. 
whatever pack you like to to run with or hike with. I I really like that Solomon. Um, I wish I had a bigger one though. I think mine's an eight liter and they make a 12 liter. So it's stretchy and I like the Solomon pack. I can't remember what it's called, but it's the Solomon. It's stretchy and you can just stuff a bunch of like food and jackets in there. It's amazing what that thing. I mean, if you have the 12 liter Solomon pack, I like it has the front pockets, it has a zipper pocket. It has kind of at your lumbar region. It fits good. You can, you can roll up and stuff that Sims guide three jacket in a 12 liter, like no joke. If you wanted to bring, I'm just saying it can hold a lot of stuff. So, um, I may not be the best one to talk to about packing light. I usually like, I like the light pack and everything else, but I'm probably one who carries like more. They call me cautious Katie. Like I have like an EpiPen, Albuterol. I have an emergency blanket and I have an emergency <laughs> rain poncho. Oh <laughs> I have Benadryl, Zyrtec, uh, Percocet in case I break my Oh my, my God, legs. you're still outrunning me. <laughs> You've been weighed down with like 20 pounds of stuff. <laughs> I have bismol in there. I just have like, I have like a little pack. I have Band-Aids. I have uh, alcohol swabs. And then I have like, you know, jacket and food and stuff. <laughs> but the water's too heavy. So good thing you bring that filter along. <laughs> that has been like lighting my load for sure. <laughs> and how are you um, like planning where you're going to go? Like, do you have any apps or websites that you use religiously to find places that would be good for running and fishing? You know, I think probably people, use, that's a good question because I think by trial and error, you might have your favorites too. I, I don't know, but the, the Andrew turned me on to that one called Co-Trex, like that Colorado yeah. Trex. Now I'm kind of cheap, so I don't pay for the subscription, but I learned this is a little tip and trick. I don't pay for the subscription. So then you know how you can't have it offline. Okay. I really do like Cotrex. So I might, so you can like, there's like a little scissor thing at the top where you can, you can cut your, you can customize your route so you can cut your route. So you can mark your start and your end and make a custom route. And then you can download it offline into your watch, your, your Garmin, your chorus, um, and then you don't have to pay for the subscription. Wait, so uh, is what is what you'd be getting from the sus- subscription the ability to save the whole map offline, but instead you can just save your route offline, and then as long as you can see that, okay, my route is going right here, you know to turn right even if you can't see, like, all the detail on, on the map? No, is you that- see the whole map. Oh, you do? Okay. You do. So, like, so you're right. If you pay for the subscription, you you can get the offline, but you can download it offline. And so then you're not using your, you know, your battery life, right, to guide you. Like, on, I, I have to know where I'm going, you know. So you can use, so I like Cotrex, but the tip is if you don't pay for the subscription, if you mark start and finish, like start at the trailhead, finish it, like let's say uh, Lake Charles, then you name that route Lake Charles. and you can save it onto your phone, like in your Garmin or your watch. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll be the whole map. And you, you can have it on your phone too. So I like Cotrex and then I look up all trails, I think a lot. 
just to see different lakes. Um, and that's, that's really it. I like, I like Cotrex and then Gaia. I'll use that, but won't, you know, you can get things into your watch. I just got a watch for the first time, like a GPS watch. What what kind of watch do you have? I got a chorus, like the lower version, like not as like the middle of the road version. And so then if you can download your map in there and then it tells you if, if you're off trail, like I can't believe I've gone this long without that's probably the worst thing I do is not have an inReach or, but now I have a watch. Yeah. Okay. I love that you carry like 20 pounds of stuff, but you don't have an inReach in that pile of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I might, but like, that's how I like to just kind of, you know, like some of those high Alpine lakes, like, you know, you can get all the way up there and the cutties can be so picky and they're not eating, right? Like they can be, you can get up there to your destination and not catch any fish. Too. Yeah. But then if there's a creek, you know, it's kind of fun to be like, oh, that looks fishy. I'm going to fish that. Like, I enjoy probably that the most is like random creek fishing, you know, but where we hike, I like to go new places. I like to go somewhere new and and somewhere to like a high alpine lake. And I guess I'm not really that picky. We just kind of look and see what looks good. And as long as I have somebody to go with, then I'll go there. Usually like six to 10 miles. And do you really prioritize somewhere to fish along the way or do you just take your stuff all the time? And if you happen to cross a creek or something, then you'll take advantage of it. But, or are you like looking for like, we're going to go to this lake for the purpose of fishing? Always. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you said I, it's I like, know, you, you like... really like stumbling across like little creeks and stuff. So I wasn't sure if you just go for runs wherever and then just like find water when you're out. Well, I normally like on a normal daily basis, like a weekly basis, I'm just kind of trail running and then, you know, like I'll fish the creek behind my house. Or sometimes if I'm at work, you know, I work in bail, I work at the hospital, I'll be like, I'm going to go out right out the front door and go fish Gore Creek. And so it's not always fishing and running, but like on the weekend, if I'm going um, like on a hike, it's not always to fish, but usually I am like rigged up. If I know there's a creek along the way, I'll always try to fish. Always. Okay. Yeah. And do you take a pared down version of your fishing stuff in any way? Like, do you do you carry all your fly boxes and your full size net and stuff, or do you have like a a running setup that you use? I I mean I don't. I do have a smaller net. If you, I've been made fun of. Like, if you look at pictures of me, like I don't know if you remember, but I had like a huge net. Do you remember? Uh, it, no, I don't remember your net. It it was the only net I had and it was Jack's old net. And I think it was like a steelhead net. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was lightweight, but so I have a smaller net, but I don't have any pared down anything. I have my trout classic eight foot four weight. I don't have pared down anything except for my net. And, well, and I do just bring a little bit of flies and like a couple of spools of tippet. I'm okay. very. So, so totally pared down. <laughs> So, well, yeah, for me, I guess, I guess I always fish like that. <laughs> I, no matter, I just fish minimalist. Like I okay, have my okay. nippers, a couple of fly, little plastic things and a couple of things, a tippet and some Shimazaki spray and I'm good. So you bring everything. It's just that your everything is not that uh, excessive compared to it's what not. a lot of people would fish with. No. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So uh, last thing I want to find out about is do you have any other trout woman attempts in the works right now? Well, I do. I want you to come with me. <laughs> um, we're scheming for 
September 9th. Are you off that weekend? September 9th is two (laughs) days before I fly to France and probably not going to happen. That's a great idea. (laughs) Like you'll be so tired. You'll sleep on your way there. I might actually be on a work trip at at that time too. I might be coming back from uh, like a Crested Butte work trip to immediately get on a plane to France. (laughs) Okay. But we'll do it again. So I, I do have... I haven't like advertised it a ton, but if it all works out right, like I might do ultra. Oh yeah. I might do ultra that weekend. Okay. Be- you do that. And I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> well, but-, <laughs> but other, other people are doing trout woman, trout man. Okay. And the same route. Put me in for next summer. I will okay. promise to train enough to be able to do it by next summer. You, you don't need to train. Don't think of it that way. We're just going to go on a couple hikes and then boom, we're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to keep in, keep uh, you in the loop on my work schedule because my work is very busy during the summer, but I will surely have a weekend that I can Or like it. a spring, you know? Like, I mean, you never know. Like, we if we keep talking, it depends on the snow melt and everything, but... That's true. There's... Yeah, maybe like a... Yeah. I mean, if you can get like a an early ice off, maybe. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will commit to... Giving one a shot next summer. I'll look at routes in the meantime and let you also look at routes in the meantime because it seems like you have a lot of routes already established. Well, I'm always thinking, right? I mean, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to plan. I um, know. That's what we were talking about. Like, it's fun to, like, think about, oh, I never I never thought of it that way. You know what I mean? And then once you, you know, once you think about different places, it doesn't seem, it seems like there's a lot of places, you know? Well, and like we talked about earlier, the not really knowing what fish you're going to catch kind of throws a wrench in the plan because you can you can easily draw a route and be like, there like all four fish exist along this route, but what are the odds you can actually get all four? Is it like one rainbow trout has been spotted here in the last fifty years, or is it you know when you go there you catch fifty fifty rainbows and browns or whatever it is? Like you've got to kind of weigh out the the likelihood that you can actually get all four in the time limit. Well, it's true. And I think it's just all in good fun as well. Like if you think just this, like we're all getting together or even if you go pre-fish a few places, like it's all, I've kind of switched. Like I didn't sign up for anything this year, like nothing. Normally I would have something planned, like a scheduled, you know, trail run. I'm like, nah, I'm just going to do flathlons and trout man, trout woman stuff. and just have fun, you know, but it it's fun regardless. That's the way I think you, it it would be disappointing if you didn't get it, but I've been there and, but I think it's a hundred percent possible like the first time, the second time, the third time, you know. And it's fun regardless of whether you actually complete it. Like the worst thing that happens is you caught a couple fish and ran a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you're bad about that. <laughs> you're running the Lake Fork one too this year. I am. And what, Are you when gonna, is that one? Well, I won't be running it. I'll be volunteering. If I actually do this, you know, ultra on September 9th and then Lake Fork. Are you going to? It's the 21st. Are you going to be there? Uh, No. A, this year I will be in France. But B, we have oh, yeah. um, moved away from the Lake Fork because it's during archery season. So that's why I oh, do the yeah, July one Oh, yeah, that's right. Now. You were telling yep. me that. It's um Lake Fork is September... 23rd I wish I could still do like both I I really miss the Lake Fork one the timing is just not right and I like I really like the the race course on Middle Creek 
I actually, I prefer the fishing at Lake Fork just because it's a little bit more exciting. Like, you might catch something that's 20 inches long. Like, you probably won't, but you might. And I feel like at Middle Creek, it's, like, the same. I've been catching the same brook trout for the last four years there. It gets an inch bigger every year. Like, it started at four <laughs> inches, and now it's up to, like, They're growing. They're getting eight. bigger, aren't they? <laughs> but still, it's just, like, I, I feel like I kind of know what's coming at Middle Creek. And I like that at the Lake Fork. You know, you have no idea if you're going to catch a fish. And then if you do, you have no idea what it's going to be or how big it's going to be. So I, totally. I don't like that. But I like the run at Middle Creek more. It's it's way more interesting. I like that. I do like the run better for sure. It's a gorgeous area of Colorado that not very many people go. And the Lake Fork, that's a pretty cool, um, you know, small like river there, creek, you know. I mean, it's super cool. But I won't – I'll be like volunteering and walk. If I end up doing that many miles, I will not be running. No. <laughs> I'll be Just like – wheel you in on a stretcher. <laughs> I'll be like chilling. <laughs> I'll be like the bike fish whisper or something like <laughs> but i'm still gonna go being yes. a fish whisper at one of those races would be pretty fun too then you just get to stand there and help people i know you see you're really good at that i am not like i consider myself a hack i really do <laughs> like i i do like i don't think i could help. Well, i don't know how to your own nymph so you and i could like team up and be like a double a double whisper yes i mean you know it's one of those things where I just, I, I don't think I'm a good mentor, but maybe I just need to try it one. Like I've never had to help somebody and I would feel like that would be a lot of pressure. Well, if it makes you feel better, you'll, you'll get practice when I come running with you and you can help me the entire 26 miles. (laughs) I love doing that. No, I mean, that's like my favorite thing. When Karen and I did it, I was like, fish there, the Browns are there, put this fly on, you know, like. It, it was fun for sure. And, but then you learn stuff from them as well. Like when I was trying to help Kara and she didn't get the rainbow, I felt so bad, but she caught the cutty and I didn't. And she put a beetle on and I just, I wasn't patient enough. I was like, I'm not, no, I am not going to change like 10 <laughs> different flies. And I do not fish dry flies well. And so I think you always learn, learn fun things from each other. Absolutely. Well, um, just to wrap up, I don't know if you have like a, a social media that you want to promote, like if people want to check out what you're doing or reach out to you. But if you do, uh, you're welcome to share it. Okay. I'll share it with you. I'll share some fun pictures and a little video from June that you'll like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, thank you for all the good questions. It was fun. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and um, hold me to it next summer. Um, I will make an attempt on a trail no. man. No, you will, you will do it and I will not forget and I will keep hounding you. All right. Sounds good. Just shoot me a text when it's time for me to start thinking about it. Okay. I will, Katie. All right. That's a wrap. Uh, Thank you all for listening. If you want to find all the other episodes as well as show notes, you can find those on fishuntamed.com. You'll also find a contact link there if you want to reach out to me. And you can also find me on Instagram at fishuntamed. Uh, If you want to support the show, you can give it a follow on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. And if you'd like to leave a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, But otherwise, thank you all again for listening. I'll be back here in two weeks with another episode. Take care, everybody.
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.